Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Let's raise our hands and worship the Lord Jesus. And with our hands lifted up, we will worship the King. And with our hearts lifted up, we'll bow before you rejoice. With our hearts lifted up to the sky, and the world wonders why. We'll just stay and we'll sing it again. And with our hands lifted Jesus. 
Jesus Christ I think about your sacrifice
patience, trust and God. You can clap. God is here. It's not a fake statement. <laughs> it's knowledge. Hallelujah. It's what? It's knowledge. Acts chapter 11, verse 22. Acts chapter 11, if you're in the 22nd part, you, you say amen. Wow, that was fast. Okay, can we read? Uh-huh. Then tidings of this came unto the ears of the church which was at Jerusalem. And they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch. Who, when he came and had seen the grace of God, was what? Why was he glad? He had seen the grace of God. And what? Exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. For he was a what? And full of what? And of what? And much people, the Bible says, were added unto the Lord. What does the next verse say? And when, then he what? Departed Barnabas to what? Tarsus. To seek for who? So. And when he had found him, he brought him unto and it came to pass that a holier they assembled themselves uh-huh, with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. Did you hear that? Huh? Things are happening in Antioch. There's a Jewish synagogue in Antioch. Okay? So some of you should now know that there's a difference between Antioch and Jerusalem. Okay? So there is news in what? Antioch. That Jesus is dead and resurrected. So a synagogue is raised there because there was a a small number of Jews. And the Bible is very clear. There was a guy called who? Barnabas as well. He was full of the Holy Ghost. Okay? And with what? Faith. The scriptures tell us Barnabas goes to Tarsus. Some of you who know the story, Paul was born in Tarsus, Cilicia, okay? So probably it means that after the conversion in the faith, somehow he finds his way to Tarsus, probably to go and visit his cousin brother or some uncle of his, or his parents. Maybe they had grown old. So Barnabas goes to pick who? Saul. Praise the Lord Jesus. And when he had found him, he brought him unto what? At Antioch. And it came to pass that the whole year they were what? Assembled. They assembled themselves with the, with the church 
And after that, the Bible says there was much teaching. The people were taught much. And when the people were taught much, the scriptures say that then that is when we find the testimony of people being called Christians. Disciples were called firstly Christians at Antioch. Tell your neighbor Antioch. <clears throat> now, there are two kinds of Antioch. Eh? The particular Antioch I'm talking about is the one of Pisidia. For some of you who know that. If you study the scriptures, you realize that Paul's first missionary journey was at Antioch. Okay? And later on, while he continues to do the ministry of the gospel, he finds himself again coming back on his secondary and third missionary journey. So it was, I think, an interesting experience for him to be at Antioch. Why? Because Antioch, the scriptures are very clear, had much teaching. Okay? Praise God. Now, I need to share probably something on this before I go further. When, when, for example, I say honorable, okay, and I call somebody honorable, or somebody walked into this room right now, you've never seen their face, you don't know who they are, and then I say, the honorable is here. There's some that comes to your spirit. There's some that comes to your mind. Why is he called honorable? What has he done that is of honor? What title, how did the title come to be bestowed upon him for him to be regarded as honorable? Why is he honorable? Okay? You understand what I'm saying? Now, if he abuses his right as an honorable, for example, if he's an honorable uh, of a particular, um, say, parliament, huh? and then he embezzles money or defrauds a certain people X, he doesn't lose the title. He just becomes a bad honorable. You understand? Is that so? But when you go distinctively to the definition of honorable, you realize the word honorable is from the root word honor. And the scriptures teach us to give honor to whom honor is due. So if honor is due to you because of what you earn, how be it that this title bestowed upon you now is bestowed upon you on the basis of the position that you have attained by reason of the vote, for example, and you might change and do things which are contrary to your office, but until you're chest out, you'll still stay the honorable. Are you with me? You understand? If you are a king, for example, and people call you your majesty, you might do things that are wrong, okay? You'll still be a bad king, but you don't lose the word king. But the intention of king here is somebody who is supposed to be above men, okay? Leading people. Do you understand what I mean? So there is a point in life where the titles lose definition. Or lose the original intent at which they were called. But they still stay conferred to the lives of men. And this we do on things in the world which are perishable. Are you with me? Now let's go back to the thing called Christian because I'm about to disturb a few of your brains. The scriptures are clear. They were called. They didn't call themselves Christian. No. Somebody observed them and said these are Christian. Okay? Followers of Christ. Christian. Okay? 
Tertullian, okay? Or like you can say these are Calvinists. These are Hellenists from the name Helen. All right? Or the Wesleyans, okay? Um, or what else? Hagenites, Lutherans, okay? This was an individual who left a certain reputation on them that anything that follows after that, because perhaps they were the first to the notion, that name, that title sticks on them. They carry a certain reputation that goes before them. I wish some women read about Caesarian. You don't get it, do you? <laughs> read the history of Caesarian. Praise the Lord. Why Caesarian? Caesar. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Okay, you'll understand one day. So, Christian. This, you must understand, was not just a simple word that is named, for example, um, give me a name that is, doesn't have any relation to it. Anything that, that doesn't relate with any meaning. If you have a name that you don't know its meaning, mention it. <laughs> what is the meaning of wapakabulo? Or maybe it has a meaning, okay? Hallelujah. But here, it's not a name conferred. No, it's a title given them because of what they see on them. And consequently, that is distinctively that they were followers of Christ. Servants, ministers of Christ. Okay? They had something that was Christ-like about them. There was something about them you could look and observe and say, this is Christian. Do you understand where I'm coming from? Christian. Okay? But you see, the scriptures are clear. That title is conferred on the men in Antioch because of much teaching. That means that as the church is taught and they come to the distinct knowledge of Jesus Christ, they start to be like Christ. That is why when Paul testifies about his labors, he says in Colossians that we labor, okay? We labor that we might present all men perfect in Christ. That is the essence of the gospel. That is the essence of the fivefold ministry. This Christ whom we preach is saying, warning every man and teaching every man in all what? Teaching every man in all what? All wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ. That means that the place that presents you perfect in Christ is the place where we teach. Is the place where we what? We teach. We take time to teach. But you see, we're dealing with a generation that can't teach. Do you understand? We're dealing, okay, I'm not saying doesn't have many teachers. Don't get me wrong. Okay? We can have many teachers, but not really teach. You see, the essence of the gospel is to push me or you as an individual to a place of knowing God. Okay? And this is eternal life, the Bible says, that you might know the one true God and his only son, Jesus Christ. Now, when the Bible says that we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, when the scriptures speak of how we've been blessed with the with, with, with spiritual blessings, all spiritual blessings 
in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. According as the Bible says, he has chosen us. Okay? Uh-huh. In what? In him, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before God. Sometimes the ultimate question is, okay, if I've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, how does this stuff come to me? Ultimately, that's the necessity of teaching. We teach people how to walk in what is already given. We don't teach you stuff to get. No, we teach you stuff you already have in how to walk in it. Okay? So when the Bible says, for example, you've been given everything that pertains to life and godliness. Uh-huh. Through what? Through what? Through what? That has what? Called us unto. Give me the amplified of that. Let's read it in the amplified. The amplified says, for his divine power, read, uh-huh, has bestowed upon us all things that are requisite and suited to what? To life and what? Godliness. Through the what? The epignosis. The full knowledge and what? Personal. The place where it's not me, the man of God, who knows God to pray for you. I, I don't know whether you understand what I mean. I'm not talking of an experience where I am the man of God. I know God. And therefore, because I know God, therefore, I, I give you God. No. You, you see, it's okay for me to do it, but it's not going to build you, okay? It's not going to liberate you. I don't want you to get to a point where you have to rely on me to call me at 2, to ask me what God is saying, or to call me at 3 a.m. to find out what is going to happen in your family. No, God wants you to get to the full and personal knowledge of him who called us to, by what? By and to his own glory and excellence. He wants you to get to that knowledge. You, you personal. Now they don't read the Bible for you. No, you read the Bible yourself. Before I prophesy in your life, you already know. Says so that when I prophesy, you say, wow, this is a prophet of God. Why is he a prophet or she a prophet of God? Because she has spoken exactly what the Lord has spoken to me. So that when I teach you, even if these things might be new to you, your spirit bears witness that they are true. That is why when Paul speaks of the place where he qualifies scripture or anything around the spiritual realm, he says that my spirit bears witness with the Holy Ghost that what I'm speaking is true. But you see, he has given us power, bestowed upon us all things that are requisite and suited to life and godliness through the what? The full and personal knowledge of him who has called us by and to his own glory and excellence. Next verse. By means uh -huh, of this, he has what? Bestowed on us. By means of what? Which these? Do you see that? Power bestowed on us. Okay? Through the full and personal knowledge. And because we have a full and personal knowledge, power is given unto us to access everything which pertains to life and godliness. And then he says, by means of these, he has what? bestowed unto us his precious and exceedingly great promises so that through them, okay, you may escape by flight from the moral decay, rottenness and corruption that is in the world because of covetousness, lust and greed and become shares of partakers of his divine nature. So the end there is that the promises of God come to us 
because of a full and personal knowledge of God where we get everything that we need and in that we escape the corruption which is in this world through that knowledge and then we partake a certain nature in us. We take, partake a certain nature in us. We partake a certain nature in us. A certain nature. You, you stop being human nature. I'm a human. No. You become a what? A spiritual divine nature. Okay? So now that goes beyond what people define as Christian. Some people, Christian is just a title. I'm a Christian. Are you a Christian? Even me, I'm a Christian. You see? But you see, the Bible, that's why the Bible says, they call the disciples Christians. So before a man is regarded a Christian, he must be discipled. So after discipleship, then you are. I don't know whether you get where I'm coming from. Okay? So now, at that particular point, you realize that when you have to go into the place of discipleship, you are taught who you are in God. You get knowledge. When you are filled with knowledge, when knowledge comes to you, the precise and complete knowledge of God, and then it starts to ring into your system, somehow things start to change and put you on course. And when those things start to change and put you on course, miracles, signs, wonders start to happen. A certain life on you starts to shed off. And then people say, this is Christian. Now you go back, Antioch. The Bible says there was much teaching. And that teaching creates disciples. And them disciples become Christians. Now, many people lose that step of discipleship and maintain a Christianity, and gifts adopt on them, develop of them, and they stay gifted, but without a discipled life. Because, you see, when you become born again, whether you want it or not, something takes place. You become a new creation. The old is faster now than you. But there's a process where with God needs you to be discipled, Okay? So the setting of discipleship, for example, some of you notice even while we're teaching these things, we, we just don't want to tell you how to buy a car or a plane, no. We want to teach certain things inside your system because when we do, we know that people will look at you and testify that this is a Christian. Are you hearing me? Now, here's the problem with the generation. We're living in a generation that has many Christians in quotes who are not truly discipled or if they carry a certain distinction of discipleship, it is not after Christ. And therefore, the church goes into one of the most dangerous errors you've ever seen. And before you know it, you, nobody can define salvation. Can I give you an example? Titus chapter 1 verse 15. Let me give you an example, solid example. Uh-huh. Let's read that portion of scripture. One, two, three, let's go. And to the pure, uh-huh. Uh huh. Give me the message version. I'm so amplified of that. Uh huh. All things are pure, but to the defiled and corrupt and unbelieving, nothing is what pure. Their very minds and consciences are defiled and polluted. When you come to a man who is unbelieving, 
Anything can be impure. Anything you say can be impure. Even if you say an innocent statement, it will be impure. Because you're dealing with a mind which is corrupt and defiled. And it is dead in trespass because the man has not believed on the Lord Jesus. Now when you become born again, you cannot have an impure thought. I don't know that you understand what I'm saying. Because you are what? Born again. Because you're born again, everything spoken is received in purity. Because the new creation is born after the very image and likeness of God. The new creation, the Bible is very clear, all things are of God. All things are of God. And because all things are of God, everything you say is of God. They don't think anything outside the God mind. When you say money, they think it the God way. When you say health, they think it the God way. When you say success, they think it the God way. When you say increase, they think it the God way. When you say multiplication, they think it the God way. But you see, the challenge here is that the people who think in pure thoughts, the Bible has called them unbelievers. The Bible didn't call them impure Christians or Christians with impure thoughts. Because you're dealing with a conscience. You're dealing with more than just a thought pattern. You're dealing with a conscience. If the devil throws evil thoughts on you, because you're a Christian, you can tell the difference between what the devil is saying to you and what is happening inside your spirit. And say, uh-uh, this is the devil. Do you understand? You have to learn to differentiate those two individuals. All things are pure to them which are pure. All, all things. In other words, for example, that statement alone, if you tell it to an impure man, he can say, hey, even stealing is pure because I'm pure. You see, because you're dealing with an impure and unbelieving. Am I making some sense? Am I making some sense? But when the Bible says all things are pure, he's talking about the purity which is after the mind of the spirit and who God is. The Bible says, thou art fair. Thine eyes are too fair to behold evil. The eyes of God are too fair to see evil in anything. This is the mind of God. That means everything you speak, God has a mind of making good without beholding the evil part of it. Are you with me? Because he's pure. There's a purity that comes with it. Are you hearing me? Now I'm defining disciple. Become Christian. Are you with me? Are you with me? Are we clear? That is why when Paul is praying for the church in Rome, chapter 10, verse 1, he says, brethren, my heart's prayer is that Israel might be one, saved. They're not believers. For I bear them a record. This is him. That they have a zeal of God, eh, eh, a zeal of God, eh, eh. they have a zeal of God, but not according to. For they, being ignorant of the righteousness which is of God, have gone ahead to establish their own righteousness, refusing to submit to the righteousness which is of God. Imagine, they have a zeal for God, they are serving God, but Paul looks at them and realizes they are not Christians. They're not even saved. But they have a zeal for 
for God, but not according to knowledge. And imagine, they being ignorant of the righteousness of God, the Bible didn't say they have gone ahead to sin and steal. No, the Bible says they've gone ahead to establish their own righteousness. Imagine, they have their own what? They're not stealing. No, they're righteous in their own way. They have not killed anyone. They are righteous on their what? And the Bible says they're not born again. They're not saved. But they are righteous in their own way. Think about it. Then you look at someone, everything they do is 100%. But to God, they're not Christian. They're not born again. That's why I worry that many people will go to hell. Because some people think they know God, but they, know, they don't. Some people think they're accepted in the Lord Jesus, but they don't. Okay, for example, if the Bible says that all things are pure to them, which are pure? Do you know why they're pure? Do you know why they're poor? pure? The Bible says when he got this new creation, he says that this new creation was born of an incorruptible seed. It liveth and abideth forever. Do you know what that means? You, can you corrupt a new creature? Answer me. Can you corrupt a new creature? Some of you don't understand what I'm saying. The Bible says being born again, not of what? But of the what? Which is by the what? Which and what? Now, are you born of an incorruptible seed? Answer me yes or no. Can you be corrupted? No. Now if you say yes, you're not born of the word. If you are born of the word, you are what? Incorruptible. How many believe they are incorruptible? Praise God. Now, if you believe that you are incorruptible, okay, and this is something on you that abideth forever, because you're begotten of something which lives. It has life. And it abideth forever. It has life. It liveth. It carries a zoe nature. So, you are begotten of something that has the life of God and because it carries the life of God, you cannot be corrupted. Being born again. Now, is any man, is there any man who is born again and they are corruptible? They are born of corruptible some of you should understand this. But to the pure, all things are. Now, that statement to a pure man is amen. That statement to an impure man is. That means even if I steal, I'm impure. Even if I. You see? Because you're dealing with impure unbeliever versus pure believer. If you're dealing with a pure spirit, that is a thank you, Lord. That is a thank you, Lord. Because I'm born of an incorruptible seed. Let me tell you why it had to be incorruptible. Because it was begotten of God. And that is what God needed to save your body, your flesh. Because the flesh is corruptible. You understand? So you needed something in you that cannot be corrupted. So that it doesn't matter how the flesh is corrupted. This guy is incorruptible. And therein now the war comes, okay? 
That is why if you open to 1 John chapter 5, verse 4, it says, for whatsoever, what so, even if it's a tree, he says, for whatsoever is what? Born of God, overcometh, 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 and this is the victory that overcometh. Even our what? Now give me the amplified of the same. I want to read it for you in the amplified. What does it say? Uh-huh. For whatsoever uh-huh, is what? Over the world. And this is that conquers even our the fact that you believe that you're born of an incorruptible seed. It's the power that conquers the world. It's the power that conquers sin. It's the power that conquers disease. It is the power that conquers failure. It is the power that conquers suffering. It is the power that conquers any affliction. It is the power that conquers poverty. Anything which is of the world is conquered by that one principle, begotten of God, incorruptible. Because you cannot be corrupted. That is where the power is. So do you realize that God made you incorruptible, that you would conquer the world? So do you see the place of incorruptibility? The place of your incorruptibility is that you might what? Conquer the world. Okay, you didn't get it. Let's continue to 18, verse 18. He said in the same verses. Chapter, chapter, uh-huh. Okay, give me the amplified. Let's read. Uh-huh. We know. Somebody say absolutely. absolutely. Somebody say absolutely. absolutely. The Bible says we know absolutely that anyone born of God does not deliberately and knowingly practice committing sin. He didn't say does not deliberately knowingly com- commit sin. Practice committing sin. He's speaking of a certain nature which naturally sins. Are you with me? Because the Adamic is a nature. It's not what you did at breakfast. And last week, it's who you are. If you're born of an, a corruptible seed, even before corruption, you were already, you didn't get a digital. What does Romans say? By the sin of one man, the Bible says, death reigned upon all and on all. Who sinned? Oh, oh, oh. Even those, the Bible says, who had not sinned after the similitude of Adam. Uh-huh. Let's read. One, two, three, let's go. Give me the, the amplified of that. Uh-huh. Therefore, uh-huh, as sin came into the world through and death as a result of sin, so death spread to all men, no one being able to stop it or to escape its power because all men, uh-oh, so when a woman produces a child and they are one year old, they are sinners. The moment you come in this world, you are a sinner. So, somebody asks me, do babies go to heaven? Nice question. I'll answer that. The Bible says in the days of ignorance, the Lord winks. So there's an excuse for them who don't have the opportunity to hear on the saving knowledge of our Lord. Not even babies only. Even our great-grandfathers to whom the gospel never came. 
there's a grace that covered them. Say amen. That same grace went in hell. The Bible says and preached to the souls of Noah. The guys who were, eh, because they were just told to enter Chombo. They were not told about the saving power. God said, no, I can't kill them this way. They need the gospel. The Bible says he went there. Some bells, I know if somebody was in Peter's meeting, you would say, did you go there? You are cult. You see, but you see, the Bible says, by which also he went and preached to the spirits which were in prison, which sometime were disobedient when once the long suffering of God waited on the days of Noah, while the ark was preparing, why in a few people, that is eight souls were saved by water. God still says, you know what? Those guys also need the message. He went there. Now, how can you be in prison and you refuse to accept the Lord Jesus? <laughs> Shabakaranda. Tell your neighbor, Shabakaranda. Are you with me? Now, let's go back. For, let's go back. Let's go back on the Romans. As sin, I uh, read, came into the world through one man and death as the result of so death spread to no one being able to or to what? Escape its power because all men what? Sin. Why don't some unbelievers see that that's not fair? Why do they think that God forgiving you is fair? But it's not fair. And <laughs> I mean, God forgiving you is not fair. But it's fair for the child to die. Who didn't sin? Okay? Let's continue. Uh-huh. By the way, I hope I'm speaking to pure thoughts. Uh-huh, let's continue. To be sure, Ulira, this is, get a stone. Sin was in the world before ever the law was given. But sin, ah, uh, not was, correct your English. Sin is not in charge to men's account where there is no law. Present continuous. Pure thoughts. Pure thoughts. Now someone who is impure is saying, our Paulo, Paulo, it's okay to, you see? But that is what? impure. But you, you're born again. In fact, that's how you know that somebody is born again. When they read that scripture and they don't misunderstand it. Are you with me? <laughs> Are you with me? So, he says, sin was in the world before, but sin is not, not was not. God hasn't changed his mind on that. Sin is not charged where there is no Law. Ouch. The devil wants to die. Okay? Now, let's continue. 14. Something is coming. Eh? Uh-huh. Yet death what? Held sway from Adam to Moses. Why? Because even though the law had not yet come, eh, there was the fall of Adam. The ultimate law. Thou shalt not eat. It was the only one law. Some people think that the law was when Moses received the ten. That was the first one. Thou shalt not eat. Okay? 
So, even over those who did not read, themselves transgress a positive command as Adam did. Adam, the Bible says, was a type prefigure of the one who was to come in reverse, the former destructive, the latter. Is that, is that good English? You understand the English? Pure thoughts. Tell your neighbor pure thoughts. And we are reading from the Bible, by the way. Uh huh. Next verse. Uh huh. But God's free gift is not at all to be compared to the trespass. His grace is out of all proportion to the fall of man. For if many, listen, I tell this annoys the devil. For if many died through one man's falling away, his lapse and offense, much. That's why I was telling, somebody told me nonsense one day and he told me, the road to hell, to heaven is what? Yes, but more people are going to be in heaven. (laughs) Some of you, you judge by sight. You don't judge by what is... Many people are going... By the way, heaven is going to surprise people. Some people will find us and say, Apostle Grace, Apostle Grace. (laughs) What's your name? Because you see, this is, this is God. This is God. Do you really think he can lose to the devil? He says... Let's read. For if many uh died through one man's falling away, his lapse, his offense, much more profusely did God's grace and the free gift that comes through the undeserved favor of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound and overflow to and for the benefit of many. The devil did his work and And God watched and said, okay, now my turn. Are you seeing that epic story? He told Jesus, go and show them. If he thinks he has killed many men in hell, go show them. That is why we must preach the gospel. I tell now I'm stirred. Now I want to preach. You guys, stop picking flowers in office. Preach. So, the next verse says, uh nor is the free gift uh at all to be compared to the effect of that one man's sin. For the sentence uh following the trespass of one man brought condemnation. Whereas the free gift following many transgressions pure minds Brings justification and act of righteousness. You think the devil loves that? Pure thoughts. Okay? Now, if a man is in, is in this Christian faith and then he says, Now that I am persuaded of hell, heaven, sorry, let me do what I want to do. That one is not born again. He's not a bad Christian. No. He's not. Because that which is born 
cannot. So when I preach this sermon, I know that there are some people who are not pure and they're not born again. You get my point? Next verse. Uh-huh. Next verse. Uh-huh. One, uh-huh. For if because of one man's trespass, lapse offense, death reign through that one, much more surely will those who receive God's overflowing grace, unmerited favor, and the free gift of righteousness, putting them right into right standing with himself, reign as what? Through the one man, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. Next. Well, then, as one man's trespass, one man's false step and falling away led condemnation for all men, so one man's act of righteousness leads to acquittal and right standing with God and life. Oh, oh, no. Why are you clapping? It's working. <laughs> you see that? Okay. It's beautiful in the message. Give me the message from about the 17th verse. 17. Mm, uh-huh. If death got the upper hand through one man's wrongdoing, can you imagine the breathtaking recovery life makes, sovereign life in those who grasp with both hands this wildly extravagant life gift, this grand setting everything right that the one man Jesus provides. Next verse. Uh-huh. Here, it is in a nutshell. Just as one person did it wrong and got us all in that trouble with sin and death, another person did it right and got us out of it. But more than just getting out, out of trouble, he got us into what? <laughs> Hallelujah! You didn't come out of trouble only. He didn't get you out of Egypt and put you in wilderness. 40 days around Edom and Mount Seir. No, he took you right straight to the life. Next verse. Uh-huh. One man said not to God and put many people in the world. One man said yes to God and put many people in the world. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. All that trespassing laws against sin, sorry, all that all that passing laws against sin did was produce more what? What does the Lord do? It produces more what? Don't steal. You steal more. Don't you know the scripture that says that for as alive once without the law, but when the law came, uh-huh. Sin what? So what revives sin? What revives sin? Uh-huh. Next verse. All that passing law. Uh-uh, next verse, the other side in the scene. I'm coming back on 20. Uh-huh. And the commandment which was ordained to life, I found to be unto. Uh-huh. You understand? For sin... Taking occasion by the commandment, deceived and 
So what does sin take advantage of? So what if there is no commandment? Sin doesn't have power. It exists. Don't say it's not there. Pure minds. Don't say it's not there. It exists, but it doesn't have power. So you can't, it can't, it can't overtake you. You understand? Look at little kids. Which walk naked? You understand? And for them, they are pure. Mommy, mommy. They are pure. You see a parent say, oh, sit properly. Do you understand? Because their minds have not yet opened up to that life. That is why there's a portion of scripture that says that sin created in in me all kinds of concupiscousness. That word. Over who put it in the Bible. There are many people who don't know the the meaning of this. Uh But sin taken advantage by the commandment routing me all manner of concupiscence. Oh my God. For without the law sin was what? Man, do you want to read it well? Read it in the Amplified. This one is get stones in pure people. Uh-huh. But sin, finding opportunity uh-huh, in the command uh-uh, to express itself. That means where there is no law, sin can't express. It just dies. That's why the Bible says the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus. So, any impure thought, anybody with impure mind is now saying, that means he's telling the people to sin, you see? Because it's defiled. That, that mind is defiled. It can't think pure. It will think, ah, now he's telling people to sin. You see? That's why I love using the scriptures. Okay? Read. read. You see? But sin, finding opportunity in the commandment to express itself. Listen. God a hold on me. Listen. Aroused and stimulated all kinds of forbidden desires. Lust, covetousness. For without the law, sin is dead. Listen, the sense of it is inactive and a lifeless. Banange, banange, banange. Don't you understand that what is killing us is the law? It doesn't have life. So, why isn't sin leaving the church? It is because men stand on the pulpit and tell people, you're sleeping around, you're stealing. The Bible says thou shalt not steal and you're stealing. God punish you. This day you're going to hell. You continue doing all things. You, are, you see, you make sin active and you give it life. Then he says, ah, okay, let me take advantage. So when they tell you don't steal, it creates in you the lust to steal. That is why the scriptures are clear. Raise a child in the way they should go. You don't raise them in the way they shouldn't. Stop telling your children, don't go out. The dog will bite you. Don't. No. You tell them what they should do. If you see the kid going into an electric machine, tell, come for tea. That is why some of you have trouble with your kids. Don't touch that socket. I say don't touch. I say don't touch. Then make sure you've gone. eh? And you disappear. Because you're creating lust. So your kid starts to lust over the switch. 
Your babies are lasting over electricity. <laughs> Somebody say it is working. <laughs> you find a kababy and the kababy is lasting over a switch. They are there every time they are waiting for you to. If you see your child go to the switch, you know what you do? Just carry them away. Don't tell them don't go to the switch. No, just carry. Play with them. They won't notice it. If you see them going back again, go there. But the moment you create the law, don't go to the switch. Why do you think schools have trouble? No coupling. Those things of having girlfriends. Then Michael and Mark and Peter say, ah. <laughs> One time I was in a school, in a Muslim school. They refused coupling. That time they sent away eight girls pregnant. The time they refused it. And then I went to another school where they never used to mind that, you know? And you see people used to live okay. There were no couples. Because, you see, the moment you tell people don't put a sign on that and say don't go through there. <laughs> You'll see fire. Because some people will make sure they go through. Huh? Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't eat food before I come. Am I clear? Parent, just keep it away. Put it a bit higher than they can reach. You get? That's why some of you have rebellious kids. Because they are full of don't. 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 Last. Don't. Last. Don't. Last. Don't. Last. Don't. Last. You get it? Are you with me? Let's go back to the 20 where we're at. Uh-huh. All that passing laws against sin did was what? Produce more what? But sin didn't, comma, and doesn't have a chance in competition with the aggressive forgiveness we call grace. Did you see that? So, this is how God saves men. You do wrong, he forgives you. You do wrong, he forgives you. You do wrong, he forgives you. Until you say, That's how you live it. Love. That's why the Bible says, To whom is forgiven much, they love. They don't continue sinning. But you see, why do you think people think you'll continue sinning? Because their minds are impure. You're dealing with unbelievers. Men who are not born again. But hey, some people will not go to heaven. So if I say that if, even if there is sin in your body, your spirit is not corrupt. Ah! <laughs> you see, impure. Did I say that that means that a man should continue sinning? It's not what I say. It's not even in my head. No. I'm thinking, I'm telling this man, you, like Romans 8 says, by the spirit which is impure, you'll kill the transactions of the body and you will live. 
But pure minds don't pick it. Impure minds don't pick it. Are you with me? For if you live after the flesh, you shall. But if you, through the spirit, which is incorruptible, do mortify, kill, deaden, the what? The deeds of the body, you shall what? You see that? You see that? You see that? Do you see that? So do you get the difference? Do you get the difference? Because you're dealing with pure. Let's finish the others. Romans 3.20. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. It doesn't have a chance in competition with the aggressive forgiveness we call grace. When it's sin versus grace, grace does what? Uh-huh. Next verse. Uh-huh. All sin can do is what? Threaten us with. And that's the end of it. Grace, because God is putting everything together again through the Messiah, invites us into life, a life that goes on and on and on and with a world without end. Okay? It doesn't lead us into sin. But you see, it's also fake for me to imagine that it can lead us into sin. Because our minds are too perfect to think that way. You see where I'm coming from? Imperfect unbeliever versus. So it's a seed issue. It's a seed issue. When a man is under the law, nothing of grace doesn't suggest sin. Because you're dealing with another seed. It doesn't have life in it. Okay? What does the next verse say? Mm-hmm. Next. Uh-huh. So, what do we do? This is Paul asking. Do we keep on sinning so God can keep on forgiving? Realize, verse 2, he doesn't say no, and then continues. No, he says, I should hope not. If we've left the country, listen, he's asking, where sin is sovereign? How? Paul doesn't understand how, because his mind is too pure. How? I tell you, how can I leave that country and then be under grace with the life of God in me because my spirit is alive? Because it's incorruptible, and by that I kill my flesh daily. So then, how can I then again take advantage of the fact that I that I am forgiven? I tend to continue sinning. I think the life in me can't sin, and it's incorruptible. So Paul doesn't understand it. Even me, I don't. Do you? Ah, you talk the truth. Maybe you understand. <laughs> If we've left the country where sin is sovereign, how can we still live in our old? So if somebody tells you, so does that mean you should sin? You ask them how I think. I don't understand. How? What's the I left Uganda. Now I'm in Kenya. Then they say, shall we continue to build a house to live in Uganda? I say, how? When I'm not in Uganda anymore. I don't understand. How? How do you do it? zeal of God but not according to knowledge that which is born of God the Bible says does not does not commit sin for his seed remains in him uh-huh. give me the amplified I always love it in the amplified uh-huh. it says no one begotten of uh-huh. deliberately uh-huh uh-huh uh-huh, uh-huh. uh-huh. 
And he what? He can't. To them who are pure. See, that is why when you go back to the John 5, 18, where he says that that, um, in the Amplified, the John, where, where, what? 5, 18. That's John. Huh? He says, give me the Amplified. We know, uh-huh, we know, uh-huh, absolutely, that what? Anyone, anyone, anyone born of uh-huh, does not and practice competing sin. But the one who has begotten of God, you and I, no, actually, this is different. Wait, oh, yeah, 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 that's a mistake. Some people misread that very wrongly. He says, but the one who has begotten of God, who is that? Not you. That's when people think it's them. Read the scripture. Uh But the one who has begotten of God carefully watches over and protects him. That is, Christ's divine presence within him preserves him against the evil and the wicked one does not lay hold on or get a grip on him or touch him. Do you see that? When you receive Jesus, Jesus maintains you. He holds you. He gets a firm grip on you and says, no, I will watch. I'm in charge. So do you understand the ministry of grace? Ministry of grace is you saying, I can't come into my life. And when he enters into your life, he says, it's my business now. My business. You understand? It's my business. It's his business. So when Jesus is in you, and he starts to, his divine presence preserves you. His divine presence. Not you and your mind. So why do you need Jesus then? Why do you need Jesus? If you think you can keep yourself from falling, why do you need Jesus? No. You need Jesus because when he gets into your soul, he does the right things. Okay? So now, if I see that my body has a problem, but I remember that the spirit is incorruptible because of the Christ which dwelleth in me. My business is simple. Yield to Christ and kill the body. How does the body die? The body dies as you continue in the presence of God. That is why Jesus can't appear and then you undress yourself. Jesus has come in. Imagine when you're going to steal eh? and then Jesus comes into the room and then he appears. Do you see? Uh-huh. What's that again? How? Who be the police? So this is the mistake that the church did. Oh, many believers did. Many believers did. What they did is they killed the man in you who should fight, and they killed them. They already the man outside you is already dead. So in and out you're dead, and they're telling you to walk a life in God. Do you understand? How can they kill the man in you and say he's not and cannot and he's a sinner and he's rotten and then also the man outside you is rotten so how can you be rotten in and out and then you expect to do good? That is why even when Paul was speaking about nothing good he said in in Romans 7 for I know that nothing good in me Uh he says that is get it, get it for me Romans 7 he says for I know that nothing good in me that is 
for I know, read me, that nothing in me, comma, that is in my flesh, not my spirit, not my spirit. You get it? He says, for I know that nothing in me, that is, in my flesh, dwelleth no good sin. For to will is present, that is the spirit man, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. So he says, the inward man rejoices after the law, but the outward man can't, because he doesn't have the power and the strength too. But you see, when he says, that is in me, okay? Now, a Christian says, God, I have a rotten heart. Oh, come on. Jesus dwells in your heart. How can it be rotten? <laughs> and then some people think it's, it's piety, it's religious humility. But it's so false. God, you know I'm rotten. The Bible says that the communication of your faith might carry a certain effect by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you, which is in Christ. But some people go to God and they say, God, I'm rubbish. I'm rotten. I'm corrupt. That is in your flesh, not your spirit. That is why if you want to walk out of any weakness, confess who you are in God. The day you steal, say, I cannot, I don't steal. So, of course, the impure mind will say, how can you say you can't, yet you have? See, they don't understand that is spiritual warfare. I'm trying to come out. I'm convincing my mind that I'm not what my flesh is doing. That, that my flesh will get to a point where it will agree with my spirit. But I have to first convince my mind that my spirit knows who I am in God. And then I refuse what is in the flesh. I say, I'm not a thief. Eh, eh? How can you say you're not a thief? How can you say you're not a thief? You understand? How can you? Do you see how hard these things are? How can you say you're not a what? A thief. When you just stop. See, let me explain why. When your mind is pure, you'll understand you're doing it, that your flesh will start walking like the spirit. When your mind is impure, you will think they are sinning. They are saying it is okay to steal. They are saying it is okay to sleep around. You can do anything. Cast your spirit. You see, but the problem is not what they have said or what they are doing. No, the problem is you. Your seed is corruptible. And therefore, your, your thoughts are impure. You're dealing with impure thoughts. For you, nothing good in God can't corrupt you. Because you, that's what the devil is. He corrupts everything which is of God. He twists everything which is of God. That's his ministry, to twist the word. To twist the word. To twist the word. Are you hearing me? And that is why we have to preach it. Let him twist, but let us stay what? Preaching. Because the fruit, the fruit, you can't, you can't, fruit. Even if you hide it like how, it still comes out. Even if you hide it like 20 years. Even if you, you say it's rotten, it will, eh, man. Even if you put it somewhere and say, this is rotten and you photo it as rotten, it will still get, because you see, it's, it's, it has an incorruptible seed inside. It's a seed issue. Tell anybody it's a seed issue. Tell somebody it's a seed issue. Are you with me? Can I say something in a minute? 
Many people have stayed in Jerusalem. They've refused to come to Antioch. <laughs> They've refused to come to, to be taught. Because Jerusalem is the experience where the Spirit comes. The gifts are there. Teaching, everything is wonderful. But you see, you leave that gifting and come and say, now let's learn. Okay? I know you hear God, but can you be teachable? I know that when you pray, the lamb walk. But can you be teachable? You understand? Because here is the ultimate problem. Now I'm talking to mature people. When Agabus came from Jerusalem and prophesied the dust, the famine, the instruction was that send aid. And aid was sent because he saw the famine. Are you hearing me? But the same fellow in Acts, I think 22, he sees Paul arrested and then he says, no, the owner of these things is going to be arrested. And the scriptures are clear. The Bible says the disciples forbade Paul, fellow Christians, forbade Paul not to go to Jerusalem. Paul refused to go to Jerusalem. Sorry, refused not to go. He said, have to go, whether it's prison or imprisonment, whatever awaits me, I have to what? To go. Because necessity is laid. I'm, I'm called to go there. Okay? Why? Because when Paul is in Corinth, sorry, in Antioch, he finds prophet teachers. The Amplified in the book of Acts 13 calls them prophet teachers. Guys who are also prophetic, okay? But they were teachers. So is the prophet wrong? No. Prophetic is a ministry. I believe in it. I have a few prophets in Uganda. I know who are close friends of mine. Okay? But you see, the, pro the problem here is, that in the book of Acts, the Bible says the congregation in Antioch, where there was much teaching, was blessed with a number of prophet, preachers, and teachers. Okay? Now, Barnabas, Simeon, nicknamed Niger, Lucius, and Sinai, and Manayan, and an advisor to the ruler of, the, of Herod's soul. Uh-huh. But one day as they were what? Worshipping God, they were also fasting as they waited for guidance. The Holy Spirit told them, take me Barnabas and Saul and commission them for the work I have called them to do. Now, there are prophets in the book of Acts 13 commissioning these guys to go preach the gospel across the world. And then there's another prophet telling them, don't go there because they are going to arrest you. Did God speak to both prophets? Yes, he did. But one man was still spoken of in the dispensation. That is why you realize that even when he's speaking, the next line we see... Um, Agab Agabus from Jerusalem, okay? He skipped Antioch and went to Judea. He skipped discipleship. He skipped discipleship. Because they say, you shall preach this gospel in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts. But in between Judea and Jerusalem is Antioch. So the next line you see this guy speaking, you receive he says, and as we tarried there many days, there came down from Judea a certain prophet. The first time we met Agabus, he was coming from Jerusalem. The next time we meet him, he skips Antioch, goes to Judea. And then he says, they are going to arrest you. I wish you came at Antioch. Because if you are in Antioch, you would have heard when the Lord was commissioning me to go to the place you don't want me to go. If, if Agabus was in Antioch, and he had the prophet teacher preachers commissioning.
The moment he's in Judea and he sees that this man is going to be arrested, he would go back and ask God the ultimate question. If you commission them to go in Jerusalem, why do I see imprisonment? And the Lord will tell him, imprisonment is coming for the word and on account of the gospel. But tell him this way, that even though imprisonment and, 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 and death might await you by the girdles and labors of the gospel, thus say the Lord. He that began a good work in you shall see to accomplishment to the day of Christ, for he knows how to work in you, both to will and to do, according to his good pleasure. Saints, as a man of God, I have foreseen that there is going to be trouble in the life of Paul. Let's pray for Paul, but let us not deter him to go in Jerusalem, because when we're in the Antioch, other prophets to whom I subscribe to also spoke and said that the Lord said that he has to go. Now, if Paul also had skipped Antioch and he met Agabus in Judea, Paul was going to frustrate divine purpose. Only mature people can understand this. If, if you say to an impure mind, you'll think I'm against prophecy. I'm not against prophecy. I need the Antioch guy like I need Agabus. I need both of them. But before I go to Judea, I need Antioch. In the secret, in the quiet place. Speak to Jesus. In the stillness, you were there. In the secret, in the quiet hour, I wait only for you. To know you, somebody just take a moment and talk to Jesus in the secret, no quiet place, in the stillness you are there.
I want you to take a moment and speak to Jesus. Just hunger for him. Just one minute. Just one minute. yourself even as you are pure for to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above that which you hope or even expect according to the working power which work is in you let him guard and guide you in Jesus mighty name amen give the Lord a mighty hand clap 
I want to pray for the offering. If you're here, listen. Give me a minute. If you're here and you've never given your life to Christ, just lift your hand up and we lead you to Jesus. He's free. He loves you. The Bible says he's the friend to sinners. If you want to give your life to Christ right now, put up your hand. Like, I don't want to close without giving you the opportunity to meet Jesus. Do we have some hands around? Clap your hands if you've sinned. Wow. Is there anybody else? Is there anybody else? If you're here and you've also not been sure of your salvation, put up your hand also. Maybe you've been living a certain lie and you want to make it right. Put up your hand also. Put up straight. Put up straight. I want you to repeat these words after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe with my heart and confess you with my mouth that you died and rose again and that you're the Lord of my life. I'm born again. If I didn't know salvation then, today I make a decision full of knowledge. Amen. The message you have just heard was brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number 041-466-4291 or email us at fenerocompala at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at Uma Multipurpose Hall from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com slash Fenero. Fenero. Make manifest. Thank you.